this time. Welcome to the Jabber's Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Hello again, Intelligentsia. Welcome to the Jeffers Brief. I am John Jeffers. Part two today. Select, inducting people into your group. How do you select them? We talked a little bit about it and the use of the OODA loop to help you choose the right people for your group. And today we're going to go a little bit more in depth with that. I know. But first, a couple of things. Yes, I think it's is Thirty seconds impact my ass. We're gonna do it now. Why wait? All right, my friends, thanks for tuning in. Um, let me get up what we need to get up here so we get started. I think a lot of you are going to like what we're doing. You know, uh, last week I was telling you, I said I've got some issues with, uh, you know, dealing with um, trying to get permission to use some stuff. That permission did come through. I appreciate it. Thank you. goes out to um, who we have here. The Prepping Wife, American Survivalist, thank you, thank you for your permission uh, to use this. And to Hogan and Associates, or Hogan Assessments, thank you again. Thank you, thank you. Where do we start with this? Because, you know, let's do this. Let's try to take it in a chronological order, I suppose, of how you would do things. So first over to... Uh, americansurvivalist.us check them out it's a pretty, I like the website tell the truth I do I went to their blog page and there's and their articles entitled how to start a prepper group in your community this could be one of the hardest things that you're going to do as a prepper especially if you're looking to start a prepper group so American Survivalist writes out, in any shit-hits-the-fan scenario, the adage, there is strength in numbers, rings truer than ever. You know, survival becomes far more attainable goal when you have allies to share the load. So that's why forming a prepper group is a prudent step for ensuring you have a dependable support system in place during challenging times. When it comes to recruiting members for your prepper group, your inner circle of close friends and family is or could be the ideal place to begin with. And this is my, okay, maybe. Because the problem is this. Familiarity breeds contempt. What I mean by how does that apply to what I'm talking about? You have no credibility with your family. Because they know you too well. Same thing as your friends. Some of your friends, the ones, look, you got two types of people in your orbit, so to speak. And you have friends, 
And then you have associates. That's it. And the associates are this. People you know. Acquaintances. That kind of thing. Friends are the type of people you can call at 2 a.m. and say, yeah, I need some help burying or hiding a body. Get it? Okay. So it's important to acknowledge that not everyone in your immediate network may share your prepping mindset. That's okay. And why it's okay is this, because once they make their thoughts and feelings known to you, when the grid hits, you know, bottom, and everybody's off-grid then. Hola, can you open the door, please? No. Sorry, that ship has sailed. It sailed when you chose not to discuss and join my group. In the event that your loved ones aren't preppers, it becomes necessary to broaden your horizons to make new like-minded friends who can and will and voluntarily contribute to your survival network. We're talking about voluntary compliance. So how do you initiate conversations? You start by casually incorporating prepping into your discussions with neighbors or acquaintances. I've done it all the time. And you'd be surprised how many people actually agree with me. I, I was surprised, but nonetheless. So it's a good way to segue into this topic by referencing re recent natural disasters featured in the news. And from there, you can smoothly shift the conversation towards potential disasters specific to your region and discuss your own preparations. There is also an excellent opportunity to mention the importance of FEMA and the federal government's recommendation for a 72-hour emergency kit. And you can offer assistance in setting up such a kit and even contribute some surplus gear that you might have on hand. I would not want to be or have the job of FEMA. I think FEMA has an impossible task. And the task, of, the task for FEMA is, is to turn 300, well, is to prep for 316 million people in this country. Possible task. So, if the people you engage with show interest and begin preparing for short-term emergencies, you can gradually encourage them to, you know, contemplate longer-term scenarios. The news is a valuable ally in driving home the significance of these preparations. Neighbors who develop 72-hour kits might not instantly qualify for your prepper group, and that's okay. But those who take prepping seriously would eventually become ideal members. Look, they may take your 72-hour kit and never become members. So look at this way. When the bad juju comes into reality, you got some people who won't be knocking on your door for 72 hours. So stay vigilant, observe their progress and their prepping journey so you can identify the right moment to extend an invitation to your group. 
You could also seek prepping adjacent hobbies. Many hobbies align with prepper and survivalist mindset, making them excellent hunting grounds for potential group members. Some examples of prepping adjacent hobbies include shooting, ham radio operation, canning, hunting, food preservation, camping, backpacking, 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 good God, it never ends, and overlanding. I would also suggest uh, hiking, physical fitness. Now, it's highly likely that if you have an interest in any of those hobbies, other preppers in your community share the same passion and ideas. And all it takes is some friendly conversation to introduce the subject of prepping. After identifying individuals interested in prepping, assess whether they possess the qualities and skills that align with your group's objectives. When evaluating potential group members, engage in discussions about preparedness, and inquire about their prepping endeavors. Now be cautious about disclosing, disclosing too much sensitive information. In other words, you keep your questions pretty general. While you want to convey your commitment to prepping, you should avoid revealing the full extent of your preparations. Keep in mind that dedicated preppers are often cautious about sharing the complete details of their preps as well. That, that's fair. So building trust and relationships over time is crucial for sharing such confidential knowledge. During these conversations, write this down, there will be a test later. Try to assess the following. One, survival skills. What do they know? Temperament. Are they moved to action by emotions or intellect? Morals and values. That pretty much speaks for itself. The focus of their prepping efforts. Where are they in their preps? Do they have an interest in joining a prepper group? Their profession and their skills they can contribute. Relevant training they might have undergone. It is advisable not to divulge your intentions of forming a prepper group too early. Keep your interactions light and friendly until you have a solid understanding of each individual's suitability. The key to forming a successful prepper group is assembling a team with diverse skills and training that can benefit the collective. There's that C word. A well-rounded group will ensure that each member can teach others valuable skills. Fostering a culture of continuous learning and preparation. Consider... Recruiting individuals with backgrounds in search and rescue, law enforcement or military experience, medical professionals, tradespeople, amateur radio operators, mechanics and bushcraft experts. A balanced mix of skills is crucial. But interpersonal compatibility, teamwork, and the ability to learn from one another are equally important. Why don't we just condense this that last sentence down to one smaller sentence? Are they teachable?
Before formally establishing your prepper group, arrange social activities or events where potential members can interact and gauge how well they work together. Compatibility is essential for the group's cohesion and effectiveness during a grid-down scenario. Once you've identified individuals you'd like to include in your group, gather everyone together and determine the group's purpose. It could involve resource sharing, mutual aid, or having access to a designated bug-out location where supplies can be stored securely. Select a leader for your group, as having clear leadership is essential, especially during emergencies. Develop standard operating procedures and outline expectations for all group members. Document and have everyone agree to these guidelines, also referred to as voluntary compliance. Now, while that seem, may seem like a lot of effort, and it is, take your prepper group seriously it is essential to ensure it remains a reliable support system. After your group is established, Regular meetings, training sessions, and practice scenarios are critical for preparedness. Without consistent training, your group won't be adequately prepared for the real grid-down situations. If your group has designated bug-out location, practice runs to that location are vital to ensure everyone can reach it efficiently. Test and refine any procedures or plans you've developed to increase their effectiveness during emergencies. The frequency and timing of your training will depend on your members' schedules, but strive to practice as often as possible. Forming a prepper group is a substantial commitment, but, but, the effort you invest will pay off when disaster strikes. Now this network of like-minded individuals ensures that you'll have the support and resources needed to weather challenging times successfully. That's the overview I found, my friends. It's true. It is all true. You know, there are sometimes, well, hold on here. Oh, let me see what I got going on here, would you? Mm -hmm. Here we go. Give me a break here. From the DMZ to the NATO front, this is Control Radio Network. And that it is. This is the Contra Radio Network. Log on to the website at www.contraradionetwork.com. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Now over to the prepping wife. My friends, I've caught many of her blog posts. My friends... 
Take her seriously. Listen to her. I like what she has to say. I do. I really, really do. So, hmm. Oh, thanks. So, what did I need that? All right. So, to be a prepper, there are some things you need to understand as personality traits. And the article is simple. Do you have what it takes to be prepared? Prepper personality traits. My friends, this is what I've been talking about during part one when I was talking about the OODA loop, some of the people you may want to avoid. Of the prepping wife writes, I have been thinking a lot lately about what kind of a personality it takes to be a prepper, and I really wondered what it takes. Do I have the ability to be a prepper, or am I just drawn to it because it is? it seems fashionable? Lately, I've been seeing a billion political posts from certain people on my social media. Remember, social media is truly the toilet of the Internet. Make no mistake, my friends. So anyways, they're complaining about the state of our country and the world, and that's fine. You know, everybody's going to have their own views. However, that is not part of the topic today, as that just gets too heated. So she continues that she writes these posts from friends and family, and they are worried about the direction things are going. And she says, for me, I've noticed a shift in my response to these posts since I started prepping. You know what? So have I. So the first question has become, what are you doing to prepare for something that you're worried about? How are you going to protect yourself and your family? Is it very much, I mean, how? Is it very much become a different mindset or going from complaining about something or listening to someone complain about something to asking the important questions? How likely is it that X, Y, or Z could happen? What would you do? Do you even have the right mindset, or are you just someone who wants to complain and worry about it? My friends, I'm here to tell you right now. It is easier to bitch and complain than it is to solve a problem. That's the truth of the matter. So this shift in my response has really started me thinking about what it takes to be a prepper. And I have made a list of the key personality traits and things that will help a prepper. Organization is absolutely essential to prepping. I've seen many preppers who spend all their time collecting and buying stuff. I've often wondered if prepping is a pretty word for a hoarder. Or if it's just one step behind being a hoarder. Well, it's really not, if you're organized. You see, being organized can keep you safe, rotating your food supplies knowing what items you have and where they are, knowing how to use them as well. It's essential to being a good prepper. Patience. A prepper's work is never over. That's truth right there. It is a constant mindset, and you can never be too relaxed or think you know you have, have it all or have everything you could ever need. The truth is, You'll never have everything you'll need because you'll never have a place to store it all. So, 
again, the, the, the truth is you'll never have everything you'll need or you'll or have all the knowledge you'll ever need. That's just true. Now, if you can stick with it and keep stocking up and learning, you will be far ahead of most people. I've told you about this. Prepping isn't a trip to the store and a bunch of stuff. It takes time to accumulate and practice to use. You have to be teachable. You have to have a willingness to learn because prepping is so much more than stocking up on stuff. You have to be willing to learn new skills. You don't have to be a master at everything or a genius. You don't. Think about when your grandparents were your age. Farmers, car mechanics, veterinarians, chefs, doctors, butchers, and so much more. All of these skills rolled into one person. Were they perfect or knew everything? No, not even close. But they had a general knowledge of everything but the expertise of none. But they had the basic skills down, so they rarely had to call in an expert unless something big happened. Now, I would like to strive to like that where at least I have the basic skill set to take care of things myself. Start simple. Ask someone to teach you to change the oil in your car. There are a lot of people out there that don't know how to do that. Or trim your pet's toenails. Or try growing something in a pot on your porch. Start with basil this summer. Research things and try it out. Be willing to fail as well. You know, failure means you try something different and learn. It only becomes a problem if you fail and you don't learn and you keep repeating the same mistake over and over again. So what happens when a plan fails? Well, you adapt. Identify what, what happened. Where did the failure occur? Can I rectify the failure and get past it? So you try something, you adapt, you try something different. Or try doing it yourself. Learn and grow. Use it as an experience to help you in the future. You know, life doesn't give us wisdom from a book. Yeah, it gives you babies a framework. It comes from experience, and experience equals failures. We need to adapt and keep on moving. This would be where flexibility comes in as well. Nothing ever goes exactly the way we planned it. That's truth right there. And that is life. We have to be flexible and willing to adapt and keep on going. So you may want to plan things out to the best of your ability. Nothing's ever going to go according to plans. But exactly a plan to even try following, there is just, an, there is just to have chaos and panic. And that way, when things don't follow the plan, you're still prepared and you can respond accordingly. Because planning is training for your mind. You're training your mind to be ready in the event of emergency. For example, um, one of the things we spoke about was exits from your home in the event of a fire. you got to know how to get there under one, what if, it's a smoke? what if your house is full of smoke? You can't stand up, you can't see. That means you have to go to ground level and, and try to get around all of seeing only what you can. Provided you can actually see anything because smoke gets in your eyes. What happens? You start tearing up. What happens? You start, your nose starts stuffing up. 
Your body's fighting off the uh, smoke and crap they're inhaling. Panic slowly starts to seep in. I don't know where to go. How do I get around here? Where am I? You understand? But that's why we plan for the exits. How do I get from here to there? All right? Does it make sense now? Typically, the front door would be the first exit we all think of. Okay, you plan to do that. Now what happens if the front door is blocked by the fire? Where do you go then? You keep planning and be a step ahead. Obviously, the first plan of using the front door may not be viable. Go to your next plan. It's the ability to think several steps ahead and be ready for things and knowing when, when to deploy that backup plan. And that includes far more than just home fires. You will want to plan everything as much as you can. How about tornado? You know, last week, I, we had in my geographical area, we had five tornado warnings at the same time at different, five different geographical locations. All you can do is listen, watch, be prepared, which storm is where, where it's traveling, what's the speed, how much time does that give you, start planning things. So, again, you'll want to plan everything as much as you can. And what are you using to plan? You're using the OODA loop. When you're engaged in an activity, you are using the OODA loop. Observe, orient, decide, act. Oops, start again. Observe, orient, decide, act. Oops, observe, orient, decide, act. The OODA loop is always in play. So what drives you to prep? For some, it would be fear. There's nothing wrong with a healthy fear of the unknown. That's why you prep, to keep that fear in check. Others to protect their loved ones. Others just want to be self-sufficient and live away from society because we can't stand people. That's all right. I get it. And there are a ton of reasons why people prep. Think about why you are prepping and even simply thinking about becoming a prepper. What is your motivation? There has to be some sort of driving force, a motivation, incentive there to make you want to be successful at it and keep moving forward. If there isn't prep, if there isn't prepping, is probably not a lifestyle for you to be perfectly honest. So think of it like this: you hate cooking, you wouldn't want to open a restaurant, right? There is no drive or passion for owning your own restaurant, serving food. You're pretty much doomed to failure. Think of prepping the same way: you need a drive, motivation, passion to do it, and keep doing it without it. You know, prepping is pointless. Is you know, is hoarding at that point. Introverted. Um, prepping requires some amount of secrecy and protecting your assets and skills. If everybody knew what you have, and they don't have it in their emergency, guess where they're going to be going? Dot, 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 dot. That's right. So, they're all going to see you and demand your supplies. This could quite frankly get you killed. Some people are good and want to share their skills and help rebuild things if it ever came to that. Other people just want to take things because they were not prepared. It is, a, it is good to keep things more of a secret, being careful about who you can trust and talk to. A listening ear can be running mouth as well. And 
prepping is a very complex skill set, and it isn't for everybody these days. So think about if you are someone who has the ability to possess the personality traits we're talking about. Some people don't have these traits. Some people do. But they don't practice their skills. It is important to do this. So keep your mind moving. And if you do start prepping, keep learning. We should all strive to learn new things every day in any way. This is absolutely essential if you are a prepper. Now, don't always recommend that everyone have a very, you know, have the very basics are essential being prepared. I, I would recommend that. Recommendation start the blackout box and then store in water. Why? Because water is the key to life. Clean water is the key to life, period. Remember, you can live a lot longer on water than you can on food. And from there, you move on to food storage with the items. At least you have the basics from there. The sight of being a prepper and continuing that journey is right for you. Thank you, prepping wife. I appreciate that. Oh. There are some other issues that we probably should look into. But now is not that time. All right. Next. Bear with me got to take a break here, people. So, enjoy this little lost tune from the 80s. I think you'll like it. I did. Still do.
by Yes Intelligentsia. That was The Kane Game from their album Miracle. The name of the tune was Motortown. That is one of my feel-good songs. I really like it, as you can tell. Anyway, so let's get back to this. This is important stuff, I think, for the most part. What do I got here? What's this? Do, 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 do. What's this? Yes. No? This, this is Contra, Contra Radio, Radio Network. Network, internet radio for the discerning crowd and patriots. That's true. That is it. That is true, definitely. From the EMZ to the Big Front, this is Contra Radio Network. Hello to all military personnel that turn us in including my good friends over at Marine Radio. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. I appreciate it. For those of you serving all over the planet, serving Pax Americana. That's all right. I did in the early 80s under the Reagan administration. I was in the Reagan military, and by God, nobody thought about screwing with the United States then. Well, they all knew that was part of it, and they said, oh, we don't want any part of the United States. We don't want to screw with them. Yeah, right. Yeah, my ego's like writing checks there, right? So, Hogan Associate, HoganAssessments.com. Great little uh, article I want to share with you. It's personality types, a deeper look at preppers. So, the most common personality types found in the Hogan suite of assessments over the past seven weeks, we took an in-depth look at rebels, marketers, proletarians, congenials, overachievers, networkers, and misfits. Our eighth and final week, we take a deep dive into the prepper's personality profile. Now, a lot of you, guess what? This isn't going to be a we love you. It's a critical look, and it should be. We need to have a critical look at everything we say, everything we do, and the way we behave, the way we act, because that's going to influence other people. The prepper's. Personality profiles are rare and, and only make up approximately 6% of the working population. Their Hogan profile is highlighted by very low scores on affiliation, recognition, and power, with above average scores on tradition and security. On the MVPI, the, multi, the Minnesota Multiphase Personality Inventory, Low scores across most of the HPI scales, with the exception of an average score on prudence, and high scores on excitable, skeptical, cautious, reserved, leisurely, and dutiful on the HDS, with an exceptional high score on cautious. The reputation of preppers, they've had eight Alden consultants with a combined of 82 years of experience provide independent written interpretations of the preppers' profiles. And some of the words our experts most frequently used to describe preppers were self-critical, emotional, follow, careful, risk, stability, and predictable. Additionally, we examined the workplace reputation of preppers by drawing on the Hogan 360 data gathered with Hogan distributor Peter Berry Consultancy. Colleagues, supervisors, and subordinates said preppers build trust and loyalty with others, are polite and considerate, avoid double standards, and produce high-quality, error-free work. At the same time, 
Prepper's work colleagues also said they are not very competitive and driven, lack passion, energy, and assertiveness, and do not think long-term about new opportunities. In other words, preppers are dependable employees who have a strong desire for predictability and stability, but are not seen as hard drivers pushing others for results. I told you this is a critical look. It's not an I love you article. Our job Performance Archive also provides insight regarding how preppers are perceived by their supervisors. Bosses give high marks to preppers for focusing on quality, working hard, and being dependable. At the same time, they give preppers low marks for managing conflict, inspiring others, attracting talent, and building teams. To summarize, preppers are defensively pessimistic, motivated by fear, and seek out environments that are stable and predictable. They are introverted but effective employees where they can keep their emotions under control. What have I told you before about this stuff? Preppers prefer careers where they can find stability and work with limited social interaction. Basically, is we don't like people. Like misfits, they prefer jobs with limited oversight where they can complete their tasks unmonitored, and they tend to be the most successful in jobs with clear instructions for performance. Preppers also do well in roles where the goal is to detect potential threats, pitfalls, and safety issues. Our data show preppers are overrepresented in the military as well as in admin, clerical, and technician jobs. <laughs> preppers' personality profiles are, up, are underrepresented among executive job roles, likely because they fear the risk uh, associated with high-profile roles. We also find that preppers are overrepresented among sam samples of remote computer computer workers. And that's a good fit for their interpersonal style and their preference for predictability. In popular media, characters such as Nick Fury and Marvel, Craig Middlebrooks, Parks and Recreation, and Rex, Disney's Toy Story, are prototypical preppers, dependable, organized, and prepared for the worst. Advice for the preppers is this. If you have preppers' personality profile, you should recognize that many people are less cautious and more comfortable taking risks than you are. You tend to proceed with safety first attitude and like to be prepared for every possible scenario. Your colleagues may see you as overly worried about bad outcomes and someone who delays projects unnecessarily. As a result, you may prefer jobs where you can work at your own pace with few deadline pressures. In leadership worlds, you will want to carefully review all reports and the details of all possible decisions. Uda, Uda, Uda. Is it making sense to you now? Your staff may see you as prone to slow decision making and as a logjam slowing down processes for the entire organization. You will have to work hard on your delegation skills, and it will be critical for you to hire employees who you can trust and empower to make decisions without you. On the bright side, your business unit will be well prepared for disaster scenarios. So how do you deal with preppers? If your boss has the preppers personality profile, you should realize that he or she will have a hard time coming to decisions quickly. That, my friends, is the death knell of many people.
There are times you will have to make split-second decisions and live with the consequences, period. But you will want to be sure to cover every possible scenario in detail in your reports because your prepper boss will be ready to ask about them. The only way you will get your plans through will be by out-preparing him or her. Pressuring your boss to move decisions along will likely only make things worse, resulting in your boss locking him or herself away to deliberate. However, if you frame your arguments in terms of improving safety or future security, your boss will be more inclined to act quickly. If any of your employees are preppers, recognize that these people will have a strong preference for predictability, stability, and clear work assignments. They will prefer work where they can operate at their own pace, and that emphasizes quality and getting the details exactly right. While preppers are hardworking and dedicated, they also tend to second-guess themselves and will be slow to commit to any course of action. Uda, Uda, Uda. Does it make sense last week now for this week? Uda, 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 the Uda loop. Uh, your most challenging task as a supervisor of a prepper will be to keeping his or her fear of failure in check and not letting delays bog down the larger team. There you go. Agree with it? Don't agree with it. I don't care. That is, my friends, the way it is. Wow. Okay. We're going to closing out this segment, this mini-series. I've gone as far as I can with it. I will not, I will not tell you what to do. It's your choice to make. Make good choices. For the rest of you listeners out there, I want to say in the last 30 days, these are the countries by geographic location that have downloaded and listened to the Contra Radio Network. And they are in descending order, if you will. According to uh, Podbean, we follow this. The United States, Spain, Canada, Mexico, India, Germany, Australia, China, the UK. About time you guys come back on board. Italy, Japan. We welcome the island nation of Japan. South Africa. Yes. The Philippines, Ireland, Belgium, Angola, the Côte d'Ivory. Colombia, Costa Rica. Come on, let's go. France, Guatemala, Israel, Netherlands. The Netherlands used to be really big there. I don't know what happened there, but welcome back. Peru, Portugal. I assume that's my daughter listening in. Singapore and Thailand. According to Spotify, in descending order, the United States, Canada, the UK, Netherlands, Germany, Australia, Sweden, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Romania, Ireland, New Zealand, the Philippines, Israel, Denmark, Italy, Finland, Norway, Thailand, Spain, France, Taiwan, Poland, Chile, the Czech Republic, Portugal, Belgium, Puerto Rico, India, Greece, Mexico, Croatia, Belarus, 
Mm, interesting. Japan, South Africa, Singapore, Guatemala, Bermuda, Hungary, the United Arab Emirates, Colombia, Argentina, French Polynesia. Now that's a first. Welcome. Ukraine. Welcome, Ukraine. So you're still with us. China. That would be the red China. Switzerland. Iceland. Latvia. Luxembourg. That's a first in those two. Austria. That's a first. Ethiopia. That's a first. Pakistan. That's a first. Welcome. Welcome to your country's listeners, by all means. Thank you. I am glad to have those listeners here listening to Contra Radio Network. Thank you. I do hope that we all get together here. What do we got going on here? Okay. All right, my friends. Thus, we'll wrap it up for this week's edition of the Jaffers Brave. I want to thank you for listening. And we will see you next week on the Jeffers Notes. Thank you again for listening. Be safe. Be vigilant. Be prepared. Be alert. In other words, don't be like that idiot president, President Roomba. David Kirshner got me started on calling him President Roomba. Because like the vacuuming robot, he wanders around the room bumping into shit, doesn't know where he is, doesn't know what's going on around him, hasn't got the clue, and is always in search of an ice cream cone. I get it. All right. There you have it. Until next week, I am John Jeffers right here on the Contra Radio Network. Thanks for listening.